word. We come to your word humbly, Father, depending on your spirit to speak to us, to reveal, to instruct us, Father, uh, in the knowledge of your word. We thank you that you know all things, and Father, so we come to you as the one who does know all things to ask you to reveal these things to us as your people, as your children. Father, to be uh, the teacher of our lives. Uh, and Father, as we speak tonight, I ask you, Father, that my words would be words as the pen of a ready writer, Father, that the words that I speak are the same words that you speak, Father, that I don't speak from my own intelligence or my own knowledge, Father, but I speak from your revelation. And so we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We'll continue there today. And we're getting close to the end of, of uh, chapter 3. Um, and getting ready for chapter 4. Of course, Philippians only has four chapters in it, and so it's a small book, but uh, let's see, I think, I let's see when did I start my notes here. Um, well, I don't, have, I don't know when I started the notes here. Uh, let's see if I can find it this way. Oh, yeah, uh, December of 2020, so that's when I started writing my notes for, the, for this, uh, this class here, so. But we're not in any hurry, are we? Amen. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, uh, Brother Randy gives me a hard time. He thinks I can teach a long time off of, off of uh, uh, you know, one verse or so. But I was looking at somebody who uh, wrote a book on Psalm 23. Uh, and there's only like five verses in Psalm 23. And the book was over 120 pages long. So, uh, so don't, uh, you should never complain about how long I take to get through anything. Amen. Not that you all do or anything, but um, <clears throat> um, uh, it, it's, uh, to me, it, it, we just kind of go with the flow, right? If there's, if there's a lot to talk about in a verse, we talk a lot about in a verse. If there's not, we mention a few things and we go on, amen? Uh, and so, because if we, if we started over from Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, uh, we would learn all kinds of new things anyway, amen? So it doesn't matter how many times you study the Word of God or how many times you study a verse. There's always more things uh, to study. And I can't tell you how many times we, we went through months on studying something and I maybe listen to like a Brother Hagen message or somebody else's message, and they'll say something about a verse, you know, I never even thought about that. We spent months on that verse, and they'll say one other thing that I never even considered or, or hadn't thought of, or, you know, or the Lord hadn't revealed to me. Uh, and so it's just, uh, I appreciate the Word of God that it's alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, the Bible says. Uh, and so it's not dead words on a page, it's revelation, amen. And really the church should be uh, learning the Word of God by revelation and not by intelligence, right? It's not about how much I know naturally, it's about how much I can receive from the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, you know, we're thankful for knowledge of Greek and Hebrew and definitions and multiple translations and different ways to study, but at the end of the day, it's all about revelation. You know, what can we learn about this verse that we can apply to our lives? And so, uh, <clears throat> and so on Wednesdays, we've always, of course, have done a verse-by-verse uh, -verse study, which the advantage of that is you can't skip over things that you just don't know, right? You, if you don't know it, you've got to dig deeper, right? And there's a lot of things I get to a verse like, Lord, I don't even know what that means. What are you talking about? And so then you go study and read and look at other translations, look at other commentaries and you know, pray about it. And the Lord reveals, amen? Even if you don't know everything there is to know about it, uh, there's still uh, things that you can find about that one verse. And so we are here down uh, to, uh, well, let's start in verse uh, 20 of Philippians chapter 3. It's just for our conversation or our citizenship is in heaven. And we've talked about that, that um, as a Christian, your citizenship should be heavenly and not earthly, right? Uh, it, you shouldn't be an American first uh, and a Christian second. You should always be a Christian first and whatever nationality you are second, amen? Uh, and I've seen people who have, who have done it around, especially you get into certain cultures where there's conflict between their nation and another nation. You're not so much with America because... Uh, everybody wants to be an American, right? But, um, uh, but there are still people who, who don't like America and are in conflict with us. But uh, other countries I've been to where there's conflicts between that country and another country, and, and Christians are, are, you know, well, I don't like them because they're from that country. And I'm thinking, well, who cares if they're from that country or not? Amen? I mean, if, you're, if your citizenship is in heaven, then you're the same person as them, right? You're, you're the same nationality as that person is, is uh, and it shouldn't matter that, now, if they're not a good person, that's one thing, right? But it wasn't about that they're not a good person. It's just because their address. Uh, and, 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 and this was a Christian, a leader in the church. It wasn't just a, you know, just a person attending church. They were a leader in the church, right? And led uh, certain aspects of that ministry in not only a church, but uh, other ministries as well. And saying things, and I'm thinking, well, you know, 
you know you're a Christian, right? You know your citizenship is in heaven. Now, I didn't rebuke them. They didn't answer to me, right? None, uh, in one sense, it's none of my business, but you can still observe it, right? We talked about judging people. You, know, you can still observe when people do wrong. You don't have to stand up and judge them and, and rebuke them, and that's above my pay grade in that regard because, again, they, didn't, they weren't part of our church. They weren't part of our ministry. <clears throat> uh, and so, uh, but it is amazing that uh, people do that, Amen. And that goes really for any, of course, he's talking about citizenship here, but that goes for any, any natural uh, aspect of your life. Amen? Whatever natural aspect of your life is, whatever natural aspects you have in your life, that always comes secondary to your spiritual aspects. You are a child of God. So everything else is, is secondary, right? Of course, in our country, we've had a long history of race uh, conflict between blacks and whites. and uh, Well, that has no business in the church at all. Amen. We've had conflicts between Americans and, and illegal aliens. Well, that has no business in the church. Amen. Uh, I mean, I've got my opinions. You know, I think we should, we should be careful about who we let in the country, right? You don't want to let in a bunch of hoodlums, uh, and that's fair. But if, uh, if they get here, you know, and I've, I know a lot of people are from different cu- cultures, especially Hispanic cultures. Uh, I got no problem with any of them. Uh, I'm a child of God first. Amen. Uh, from, there's political ramifications to some of those things. But in the church, there's, I mean, the church segregated themselves, white and blacks, for many years. It was out of order. And uh, even between men and women, right, uh, for men, especially in, in uh, well, not just the, the uh, Pentecostal church, but uh, men have lorded it over women for, for centuries in the church. Uh, and, uh, and yet, uh, there's plenty of times in the scriptures where women were leading things. Uh, and I know Paul says things about that. But again, oftentimes we take it out of context. The men take it out of context because it gives us the right to tell the women to shut up and do what we tell them to do. Uh, and uh, of course, one time it is said, Paul said, I, I, don't, I, I suffer not a woman to speak. Well, you know, if the women are being mouthy and talking too much, then what should you do? Don't let them speak, right? But if the men are being mouthy and talking too much, what should you do? Tell them to be quiet and not let them speak. I mean, it's, it's not that it's a gender thing, right? Well, women talk more than men. Well, that's probably true, but... You know, I don't know, you know, if it's true or not, right? Uh, and so uh, it's, you deal with it, you deal with it as, as the situation arises, amen? So if you've got mouthy men, you tell the men to be quiet, right? Uh, and, uh, and look, I, in the, the years that I've been a pastor, I've had to speak to some men to straighten up. I've had to speak to some women to straighten up. Uh, and my observation is uh, there's always somebody that's got to be straightened up, Amen. Uh, and so, uh, well, not always, but, but the, the, there is no, I've not made any distinction, well, it's always women or it's always men. Uh, it's always people, what I have observed, amen? Uh, and as long as there's people, then, you know, they're just, you've got things to deal with, amen? Uh, and uh, if you think, well, if we can just get rid of the people, that'd, be, that'd make our life easier. Well, you could, but then you really wouldn't have a church, right? Uh, uh, and so, but, you know, the thing, I've been all around the world, lots of different places, people are the same everywhere. I've been to different countries, different cultures, different colors. People are exactly the same everywhere. If they love God, they love God. If they're sneaking underhanded and, and crooked, they're sneaking underhanded and crooked. It doesn't matter where they're from. They're just that way. Uh, and uh, I had an interesting discussion with, with a fellow one time. He, uh, he was talking about Moses. Uh, and, you know, t- twice the Lord came to Moses and said, if you'll let me out, or he didn't say, if you let me. He said, I'm going to destroy all of Israel and I'll build a new nation from you, Moses, because they're a bunch of backslidden buzzards. You know, that's the, that's the, uh, uh, the new American chip standard right, uh, version right there. But he off, twice he offered to just destroy all of the nation uh, because they were being uh, disrespectful and um, rude to Moses and rebellious to the Lord. And twice Moses said, no, you can't do that. And twice the Lord said, okay, I won't do it because you said I won't do it. Uh, and so... Uh, and of course, I thought Moses was right in that. Well, this fellow said, no, Moses missed it. Moses should have let the Lord destroy them because then the Lord would have raised up a whole new nation from Moses that would have been better. And I'm thinking, apparently you don't know people. People are always the same. It doesn't matter if you wipe them all out. You're going to just replace them with exactly the same people before, right? You're going to have a few good ones. You're going to have a few bad ones. Uh, and that's just the way it is, amen? It doesn't matter how many, you get a group of 100 people, 100 Christians, you're going to have so many percentage of Christians who will lie out of that hundred, so many of uh, those hundred Christians that will uh, commit adultery, so many of those Christians that will just steal from you, from your grandma, and, you know, 
Uh, it just, it's just the way it is. It doesn't matter what group of 100 people you pick, you're going to have you know, somebody in that group that's not going to do right. Uh, and so that, and it doesn't mean that I think everybody's wrong, because I think there's plenty of great Christians who just want to lo- love the Lord, want to do right, want to do their best in the, in the world. Amen? And so I don't make any laws, uh, other, you know, just in general, other than, other than that, that you're, you're just going to have people who operate in the flesh. But I'm not suspicious of everybody I meet, amen, because some people, you know, my pastor was that, of that opinion that everybody walks in that door uh, is, is, is going to try to overthrow the, the ministry. And he was of that opinion. He said it from the pulpit many times that uh, everybody that walks in the door is going to stab me in the back. Well, that's not really true. Everybody's not going to do that, right? Somebody will, more than likely, right, over a long period of time. Somebody will walk through that door and try to do that. But um, my Bible says to believe the best of everybody. And so the way I, the way I operate is, is I assume that you're the most wonderful person in the whole world until you tell me otherwise, you know? And sometimes people do, right? By their actions or their words, they tell me they can't be trusted. They tell me that... Uh, but most people, you know, most Christians I meet, just good people, amen? Sincere people trying to do their best. Uh, and so to think otherwise is to get jaundiced and bitter and, and, and to be suspicious of people. Uh, and I'm just not, I'm just not that way. Uh, and uh, and I, have to, I have to guard myself from not being that way because you see sometimes the worst of people who will come and just lie to a pastor, right? Uh, and just uh, get money out of the, pa- out of the pastor's billfold uh, for just because you know, they're lying, they want some money. They come in and make up a story that you know is not true. They know is not true, uh, and, and you could be jaundiced and bitter about it after a while. But I just start at zero every time. Somebody walks in that door, I give them a fair shot. And if the Lord says help them, then I help them. If the Lord says don't help, them, I don't help them. Uh, and, I, and if I leave it at that, see, then I'm then I'm not. I don't get bitter about people who are lying because there's people I've helped. I know they were lying. And the Lord knew they were lying, and the Lord would still have me to help them. But at the, end of, at the end of time, they will have to answer for that lie, right? And when they stand before the Lord Jesus, he's going to say, did you go to that church? Yeah. Did you tell this story to the pastor? Yeah. Did you know it was a lie? Yes, I did. Uh, he will ask him about that, right? Uh, and then if he asks my opinion about that, well, Pastor Chip, what would you like to do? Uh, I can guarantee you my answer will be, Lord, uh, I, my request is that you grant them mercy. Uh, and so, because if I know somebody's doing that, I will ask the Lord to grant them mercy. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but that's okay. You know, it's, uh, uh, we shouldn't let the failings of other people uh, change our course and direction. How many people in church are no longer in church because somebody said something or somebody did something to them at church? And yeah, maybe it was terrible. I mean, you know, if it was a pastor, you know, I can understand how that's a really pro- real problem, right? The pastor's the one being unkind to you. But, uh, but, you know, I did experience some of that. In fact, I was reading after, uh, we were reading after somebody that we know, we don't know personally, but we know them uh, in, in the body of Christ, and they were sharing about how they were mistreated by a pastor, and yet he overcame it. Uh, and, and in fact, what the Lord told him was, was much the same things the Lord told me, because uh, I dealt with the same thing. That my pastor treated me very poorly, uh, uh, and uh, unrightfully so, right? I mean, if I had been doing things that would cause, that were co- uh, just cause, of course, there's really no just cause to treat people poorly. Uh, you should treat everybody as a, as a potential child of God or an actual child of God, somebody that God loves. Uh, and so, so uh, and he made it out, and I made it out. So, uh, but I don't, you know, uh, a lot of people say, well, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there, because so-and-so, the Sunday school teacher did this or whatever. I'm not going to let somebody change my course and direction. Amen? Uh, uh, and I'm not going to let somebody dictate what I do, if I'm going to go to church, I'm going to go to church. You can't beat me away. If I'm, if I'm supposed to go to that church, you can't beat me away from that church. And of course, people tried to do that, right? Tried to get us to leave the church uh, and um, try to, or try to break us, you know. Back one fellow one time even said to me, I can't believe that we haven't made you uh, break down and cry yet. He said those words to me. Uh, and I'm thinking, you, you, don't, you haven't met me yet, have you? Uh, I'm not perfect, but you know, I can take a lot of beatings uh, if I know where I'm supposed to be, I mean, you just, you just can't beat me away from what I'm supposed to do. Uh, and I, that uh, mentality has served me well over the years because I, I just, I don't want to be this person who's every little thing. I'm just, you know, one day I'm over here, next day I'm over there, next day I'm over there. And I mean, I know things happen uh, on occasion and you've got to change course and direction. That's fine. But, but one fellow I talked to, you know, he said, I've been to 13 churches in this last year alone. And he said, I've been thrown out of 13 churches as if that was a good thing. I'd be embarrassed to, to tell somebody that story, right? 
Because what kind of a you know attitude does he? And I know, I didn't, I didn't know him from a church standpoint. I knew him from a natural standpoint. Uh, I knew he was just one of these who knew who knew everything. He knows it all, and rebuking the pastor, correcting the pastor. You know, uh, and um, I've had people correct me before over the years. You know. Uh, and uh, you say something about one little thing in the word, and they come up and say, oh, well, you know it says that right there. But I know, you know. Uh, it, it wasn't like, you know, a major doctrinal issue, but uh, anyway, so the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so our conversation, our, our citizenship is in heaven. That should be our, our number one mentality, amen? Uh, and uh, if we'll keep that, we'll do all right. And he says, of course, uh, we, we read the rest of the verse also from whence also we look for the Savior. So we're looking for the Lord Jesus to come back. We did kind of a, a fast forward summary of the end time, uh, the end of time, right? What happens between now and uh, as far as we know on the future, uh, we know to the end of the thousand year reign with the Lord Jesus, right? After he sets everything up and gets rid of the devil. Uh, well, before he gets rid of the devil, he'll, be, uh, he'll lock the devil up for a thousand years and Jesus will reign on the earth for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, he'll let the devil loose for a season. We don't know how long that is. Uh, and, uh, and then at some point, he's going to take him and throw, the, throw him in the lake of fire uh, with all of his minions for eternity. And that'll be the last that we hear from the devil forever. Amen. Uh, between now and then, uh, the devil does operate on the earth. We have a, a right and a privilege using the name of Jesus to never let the devil cross our path or to, to harm us in any way, physically or mentally or, or any other way. Uh, but if the world yields, yields to him, then, then he can rule their life. Amen. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's, uh, I was reading one time uh, not long ago, well, well, I guess probably maybe 10 years ago. It's, uh, it's uh, a little bit less than 10 years ago. But uh, somebody would, had asked a question, uh, uh, what's the difference between devils and demons? And this writer was answering that question, and they gave a decent answer. You know, well, you know, usually that's when it's talking about just devils in general and demons. Uh, those are used interchangeably in the Word of God, which is true, right? Now, if it's talking about specifically the devil, then that's Lucifer, Satan, right? the, the prince of devils. Uh, but if it's talking about just a devil, like Jesus uh, talks about something had an unclean devil or unclean spirit, that's just a demonic presence. And so they went through the whole thing, and, and I thought they did a pretty good job at the, uh, uh, defining that. But the at the end of it, they said, there's no evidence that there's devils in operation in the earth today. And I'm thinking, uh, what planet do you live on, right? Uh, have you ever turned on the 5 o'clock news? I mean, people are yielding to the devil every day. People in a church yield to the devil every day, right? Anxiety, worry, fear, right? Uh, being... Uh, lying, cheating, stealing, uh, often those things are motivated by demonic presence, right? Now, you're not possessed with the devil. You're not going to turn your head all the way around or anything like that. But uh, Christians can yield to the devil. They can't be possessed with the devil, but they can yield to the devil. And many Christians do and have, right? And many Christians have their favorite devil they carry around with them, right? And don't make me, you know, don't make me angry. You know, and they pull out my devil. And, uh, and, and people will yield to the devil and be just... Uh, you know, my observation over the years is that the meanest people I've ever met are in the church. Uh, and now the nicest people I've ever met are also in the church, amen? The most kind people, the most helpful people are in the church. But some of the meanest people you'll ever meet are in church, right? Bitter, mad, angry, liars, you know, thieves uh, in the church, amen? Uh, and Paul talks a lot about these things. You know, we, we go through and we're, we're uh, especially Paul talks about something like, don't lie. And then I always ask the same question. We always have the same answer. Well, why did, tell the, why did Paul tell the church not to lie? Because somebody in the church is lying, right? There's no need to tell somebody not to do it if they're not doing it, right? Uh, and so he said, steal no more. Well, why did he tell the church to stop stealing? Because people in the church were stealing. I mean, you know, you'd think, you'd think that you, that would be kind of a captain obvious thing. that You, would, you, you mean you've got to tell them to stop stealing? Yeah, you've got to tell the church to stop stealing, right? Uh, and so uh, it, it seems odd that you would have to tell the church to stop stealing, to tell the church to stop lying. But uh, there are people in a church today, you know, not this church necessarily, but the church today, they're, they're lying and stealing and, and doing everything else. Amen. Uh, you know, I mean, First Corinthians 5 talks about the man in the church sleeping with his stepmother. In the church, Paul was dealing with it. Well, why did Paul deal with that? Because we know for a fact it was going on because he, he called out the people that were doing those things in the church. So the church is not, you know, as far as 
the, the specific sins, they're not much different in the world. Hopefully the quantity as a whole is less, hopefully. Um, but, you know, it, uh, people will yield uh, to whatever they choose to yield to, right? If you're smart, you yield to the Spirit of God, and you'd be, have a wonderful life full of grace and peace. Uh, but, you know, on occasion, people like to pull out the old devil there. And, now, sometimes people are just mean, right? It's not even the devil. But, uh, so everything's not a devil, but, um, uh, but the devil will be, will, will be dealt with uh, eventually, we talked a little bit about uh, our, our physical bodies and how it contains a sin nature in that, and at some point will we get rid of that physical body, uh, and he talks about that in uh, verse 21, who shall change our vile body um, in, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Uh, and so we're going to get a new body. Well, why is our body vile? Well, really, the, the only reason is because it contains the sin nature. And if you go back to, we won't go back and rehash everything we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, but Paul said that it's sin in me that is in my flesh. So that sin nature that's passed down from Adam all the way to us resides in our physical body. And uh, because of that sin nature, then these bodies have become mortal, right, subject to death because there's really no reason why our bodies shouldn't be able to live forever. They, they're self-contained, right? They, they regenerate automatically. Uh, and uh, I mean, I don't know everything. There is no medicine in that, but they tell you a lot of, lot of cells will regenerate. You'll get all, all brand new cells every seven years or so, uh, just as a normal process of your body. And, uh, and in fact, if Adam hadn't sinned, he would be alive with us today. If Jesus hadn't gone to the cross because he had the same body as Adam, uh, he would be alive with us today. But our bodies, because it's, it's uh, been touched by the sin nature, just it will not, it doesn't have the capacity to live forever. It will eventually die. It just wears out and dies. And, and um, Now you are promised a long life. You're promised a healthy life. But the body uh, is not capable of sustaining uh, uh, eternal life at this point in time because it's been touched by the sin nature. And so that's why we need a new body because it was never intended that our bodies expired. It was always intended that our bodies would live forever. Our spirits are always going to live forever. Uh, and so it was intended that our spirits and bodies were together forever, that there was, there was never designed to be a separation. Right now, all the saints that have gone before us, their spirits are in heaven, their bodies are somewhere on the earth. I mean, it could have been eaten by a shark or an alligator or something, you know, or it just could have been died naturally and stuck in a grave somewhere. But there's a separation. Spirits in heaven, the, the bodies in the earth, and even those that aren't Christians, their spirits are in hell and their bodies are still on the earth. Uh, and, and so the Lord's going to uh, resurrect us uh, if we die physically between now and, and the return of the Lord Jesus. Uh, he will resurrect us, resurrect these bodies. Uh, but at, in that process of resurrecting us, we will be changed. The Bible says, we talked about those verses, that in the moment of the twinkle of an eye, we shall be changed. And so what's changing physically? Well, what's changing physically is, first of all, it's a glorified body. So all sickness and disease is removed from it. Every germ and virus that doesn't belong will be gone from it. Uh, and, uh, and the sin nature will, uh, will be removed from it. So it's a brand new body, but it's still going to look like you. Uh, and so in uh, that new body, then he, sa- he calls it a, a glorious body. Uh, we call it a glorified body, but uh, Paul calls it a glorious body there. And uh, it's going to have a lot of advantages that uh, our current bodies don't have, right? Live forever, be free from sickness and disease. Um, as far as we know, it'll still need rest because Jesus ha- had a body like Adam, and, and yet he rested, right? Sometimes he was tired, uh, and um, he had to eat. Uh, and so, so then, uh, you know, and I, as I was studying this, then... Um, if, uh, let's see, I'm going to read First uh, John 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, so we don't, we're not like we will be yet, uh, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. So whatever Jesus is right now, we're going to end up being just like him. So, um, and so, of course, Jesus now has a body. That, uh, he always had a body that was immortal, uh, and we will then get a body that's immortal. And so when he appears, when he comes back for the return of the church during the rapture, we get to have a glorified body. And all the saints that are in heaven right now, 
they'll collect their physical bodies, and they will then reside both in the natural and spirit world like we do today, right? So, so we, as human beings, reside in the spirit world and the natural world at the same time, right? We're spirit beings, uh, and so that spirit being resides in the spirit realm. Uh, we are natural beings. Our natural body resides in, in the natural realm. But the saints that are in heaven, they only reside in the spirit realm because that's all they are, are spirits. Uh, and so... <clears throat> So then you start going down that path, and, and I, don't, you know, I don't know how far we'll get into this because uh, I, the more I studied this, just the more questions I had, right? So, um, so the, the, the question that I had was, uh, I know for a fact that uh, the, the Bible talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 15 about how Jesus was uh, the, the, the second man of the last Adam, uh, and so I know from that perspective and from the fact that he was born of a virgin that his body was just like Adam's. So uh, it, it was not subject to sickness and disease, wasn't subject to death uh, as far as uh, dying from old age. Uh, apparently it could be killed because uh, um, uh, it was killed on the cross. But even that, Jesus said he laid his life down. So that's another whole question that I hadn't really thought about, but I'll just meditate on that one for a while. Could they have actually killed Jesus if he didn't let him kill him? I don't know the answer to that question. Anybody know the answer to that question, right? Uh, and so... <clears throat> Because he said, uh, he said, I lay my body down. I, he said, I pick it back up. He said, this commandment have I received from the Father. He talked about that in John chapter 5. Uh, and so, so uh, the question I had is, uh, is the body that Jesus has now, is it any different now than what it was when he was on the earth? And um, so we have some hints about that. But again, the more I read about that, the more questions I had. So... Uh, I'll just read a few verses here, um, and uh, maybe you can uh, figure out the answer to the question for us, right? Uh, and so uh, we do know, regardless, it's going to be better than it is today. Amen? It's going to be immortal, free from sickness and disease, not subject to death, uh, and so it's going to be a much better body uh, and won't have the sin nature in it. Uh, and so does that mean that we, we will no longer have the capacity to sin? Um, well, I don't think that's true, right? Because... Uh, did Lucifer have the capacity to sin? He did. Uh, did uh, Adam and Eve have the capacity to sin? Well, they did, right? So they, uh, we will basically get a body like Adam and Eve had. Uh, and so sin is not a, a, a reflection of your state of your body. Sin is a reflection of the choices that you make. Now, if you're an intelligent human being, you make good choices, right? I mean, you know... Uh, you play in the freeway or you play in the sandbox. Well, if you're an intelligent human being, you know, you, that wouldn't take very long to figure that out, right? Uh, and so, but, you know, um, the devil did, did uh, uh, weasel his way into the, the uh, mind of uh, Eve and convinced her about some things to, and the Bible says deceived her. Uh, but uh, will humanity uh, continue to have the opportunity to make a mistake? We, we will, but uh, it'll be a lot different because, you know, we, we serve a God that we don't see, right? We serve a God that we see by faith only, right? He's not here with us. I don't see him sitting there. Uh, you know, I know he's here because he said he'd be among us uh, and we'll be gathered together, but I don't see him physically. And so um, when we see him, you know, things will be a little bit different, you know, be easier to worship him. And, uh, and if you think about, you know, why does the Lord set, up the, set things the way up that he set it up? Because if the Lord Jesus himself would just appear to every human being in the world, well, I mean, about 90% of them would get saved immediately. So why, did, why doesn't he do that? Well, because he said we have to approach him by faith. Uh, and so he said, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Uh, and so he's always elevating faith right now. Faith that we have to believe him by faith uh, and not by sight. Uh, well, when we cross over and get a glorified body, we will see the Lord Jesus, we'll be able to talk to him, spend time with him, fellowship with him. Uh, we will see all the saints of old. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever get to see the, the, the Father because uh, you know, we're not supposed to look up upon the throne. Um, so will we ever get to look upon the throne? I don't know. Uh, but, um, but we will see clearly in the realm of the Spirit, right? And so it, it should motivate us to sin a lot less than, than uh, today, right? Uh, and so, um, so in that regards, we'll get a, a glorified body. Jesus had, had a body. So the, question, the, the, the fundamental question I had was, 
is the body that Jesus has today any different than the one he had when he was on the earth? So they're very similar, uh, but we do know uh, in, um, um, uh, at the, after the resurrection, when he was talking to uh, Thomas, he said in Luke 24, 39, he said, Behold my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. And so he said that he has flesh and bones. So um, he had flesh and bones before he went to the cross. He had flesh and bones after he went to the cross. But notice he doesn't mention uh, 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 flesh and blood, right? Uh, usually when we say it, we say flesh and blood. Well, Jesus never mentioned blood there, so uh, it, it, does that mean that he doesn't have any blood? You know, I don't know. Um, uh, I, we do know that he... The Hebrews chapter 9 talks about how he went into the heavenly utensils up to, up to heaven with his, with his blood and cleansed the heavenly utensils with his blood. So, um, so that is one aspect of the natural body, that uh, the resurrected body, that it can move between the spirit realm and the natural realm uh, easily. We saw that uh, somewhat with Adam, how God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. And so when Adam, you know, God has always only been a spirit, right? It wasn't until Jesus, when he became flesh, uh, before that, God was only ever spirit. Uh, but Adam can move in the realm of the spirit and the realm of the natural uh, freely. And I suspect that uh, when we go to a glorified body, that there won't be really a distinction between the spirit realm and the natural realm. There is today, you know, in our hearts, the spirit realm is far away and, you know, difficult to discern and, uh, and uh, is, is in the unknown the natural world that we're, we're uh, inundated with the natural world every day with our five physical senses. Uh, when we go to the glorified body, that distinction will, will, will surely just almost be non-existent. That distinction between the spirit realm and the, and the natural world uh, will, will not even exist. Uh, and you think about it, God created the natural realm. There was no natural realm until God said, let there be light. There was only the spirit realm. Uh, and so only God could create a whole new realm. Right, a whole new existence that didn't exist before. Uh, and so uh, who knows what he'll do in the future, right? Well, is there yet other realms? We don't know, and I'm not, really, not really interested in getting into that because that just gets a bunch of conjecture and, and philosophy and all those things. But, but, uh, but Jesus' body could be touched, right? He told Thomas to touch me. Well, that body, he's, he's, he had just told Mary, remember, told Mary, in the garden, when Mary saw, saw him, he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Uh, and so between when he talked to Mary and when he talked to Thomas, he had gone to the father, right? And we, and, uh, we preached that whole message there, what happened from the cross to the throne. And so G, the physical body, remember, the tomb was empty. So Jesus had gotten his physical body, reunited it with his spirit man. After the, the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus, he reunited with his physical body. And took that, that physical body, had the capacity to go to heaven, cleanse the heavy utensils, come back uh, as a physical body from heaven and tell Thomas to, to touch it. Uh, and so uh, we don't really see that much of Jesus doing that kind of thing before the resurrection. Could he have done that? I don't know. You know I mean, he did interact with the spirit realm on the, on the, day, on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, talked to Moses and Elijah, but it seems like they had come over to the natural realm as opposed to Jesus going to the spirit realm because... Peter and the other disciples saw Moses and Elijah. Uh, and so, uh, so again, I'm not really answering any questions here, am I, right? <laughs> but it's at least interesting discussion, right? Uh, we do know that, uh, that Jesus ate after the resurrection, right? Uh, in the same chapter there, Luke chapter 24, he said they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. So, he, so it has the capacity to eat. Does it need to eat? I don't know if it needs to eat, but it has the capacity to eat, right? Does it ever get tired? Does it need more energy? You know, I am, I am assuming it does uh, because the Lord had given Adam and Eve, you know, all the uh, things to eat in the garden there. Uh, and so um, it could go through different uh, walls, right? It says also in Luke chapter 24, as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and sat unto them, peace be unto you, and said unto them, uh, peace be unto you. Uh, and so uh, that was a miraculous thing, right? Just walking through walls. You don't have to open the locked doors there. Uh, and so, uh, of course, we do know that Jesus' physical body did some miraculous things when he was on the earth, right? Uh, he walked on water. Amen. Uh, remember, he walked through the midst of the crowd. 
on more than one occasion when they tried to stone him and kill him. So, I mean, even his physical body was able to do some supernatural things when it, when it was here. So, uh, you know, and, and studying all these things, reading all these things, I kept going back and forth, well, maybe it's the same. Uh, and I suspect that it's probably nearly the same, if not the same, before and after the, the resurrection. Uh, and for us, uh, of course, w- uh, the difference for us is significant, right? We go from this uh, t- body that will eventually be consumed by death to a body that will never see death. Uh, so that's a big difference for us, amen? For Jesus, it wasn't really as big of a difference from, from the, uh, the death and the resurrection that he had. Um, the, the physical body of Jesus, and this one, you know, you think about it, um, when he told Thomas, uh, of course, Thomas said, you know, unless I see it, I won't believe, right? And of course, Thomas saw him, and he said, my Lord and my master. And Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, for me, the only, the only time I say I'll believe it when I see it is in dealing with people, right? Because I have no faith in people. I have faith in God. Amen? I mean, I don't care who you are, if you're Gandhi or whatever, you know, I, just, I, you know, I have no faith in you. I, mean, I have faith in the Lord only. Amen? And that's not a, that's not a slam against anybody. It's just because um, uh, we're not told to have faith in each other. Amen? Uh, now, you know, trust is different than faith, uh, but um, I can trust people. Uh, and so, uh, but, uh, but Thomas, uh, re- he needed to see with his physical eyes before he would believe that Jesus had returned. And, of course, Jesus told him in Luke 24, 39, Behold my hands and feet, that, that is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. But uh, he also talked about uh, in John 20, uh, saying to Thomas also, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believe. Uh, and so, if you remember, he had told um, Thomas, he said, I, unless I see his uh, wounds in his hands and, and thrust my hand in his side where he was stabbed with the spear, he said, I won't believe him. And so Jesus said, look, my hand, see the scars on my hand? Uh, and see this, the wound in my side where the spear was thrust in my side? Thrust your hand into there, see if I'm not, if I'm not the one that you saw on the cross. Uh, and so I think it's odd that Jesus still has scars after the resurrection, right? Um, uh, because he's, he's got a body that's glorified, right, that has the capacity to move between the spirit realm and the natural realm. Uh, and, and, and this is just my opinion. My, my opinion is he chose to allow those to remain uh, to remind us all what he's done for us. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we'll, we, we will see those scars for eternity knowing what the Son of God had to go through so that I could be with him for eternity. Uh, and so it's just, a, I think, a good reminder for us of the great price that he paid and how much he loved you and me. Uh, and, and he's showing us the scars that, that shows how much he loves you and me. Amen. Uh, and so that's just my opinion in, in regards to that, because uh, I think for the rest of us, when we get a glorified body, there's not going to be any scars or wounds or, you know, if you're missing an arm or a leg from disease, you're going to get that arm and leg back in the glorified body. You know, you're not going to get a glorified body with a limp. Amen. It's not much of a glorified body if it's, you know, uh, if it's missing an arm, amen. Uh, and so, <clears throat> I seem like it'd be a, a, a little, a little lacking there, right? Uh, and so, so um, again, you know, in, in all of that, um, was the res- resurrection, resurrected body of Jesus, was it different than his body was on the earth? You know, to me, the jury's out. You know, I kind of see it both ways. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter it's going to be a good body, right? It's going to be way better, a way better upgrade than we have right now. Uh, and so, um, now we know, uh, we talked a little bit about Moses and Elijah coming back, right? Uh, and there were times that men, uh, even on the earth, uh, in fact, let's turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, we'll get a couple things here. You know, the bodies that we have just... Uh, uh, First of all, the bodies we have are not qualified to go to heaven, right? So anything, that, um, um, anything that's been touched uh, by sin can go to heaven. And if you go back, and uh, that, that brings up some other interesting thoughts about uh, some things. If you go back, and you remember the story with Job, right? And you go to uh, Job chapter 2, Job chapter 3, you remember the story where Lucifer would go to the God the Father and go to him and talk to him and say, uh, the Lord would say, well, you know, what are you doing? And he said, I just found around, looking around the earth, you know. 
Uh, and he said, have you seen my servant Job? And he goes, yeah, you know, I mean, I'd serve you too if you treated uh, everybody like Job. You know, anybody would serve you if you treated everybody like Job. Uh, and, of course, the Lord said, well, behold, Job's in your hand, only don't, don't uh, kill him. Uh, well, the whole, the whole point of the discussion, it's interesting that, that Lucifer is able to go to the throne of God and talk to him. But then after the resurrection, you never see that again. You don't see that in the book of Revelation. You don't see that with Paul or anything else. And so it's, uh, and we can answer that question here in just a minute. Well, well, why is it that before the cross, Lucifer could just go to, go to the throne and talk to the Lord and, and um, do whatever he wanted to in, in uh, the presence of the Lord? But after the cross, he couldn't do it. Well, that's what we go back to. We mentioned that earlier in John 20, verse 17. Jesus said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But uh, go to the brethren, tell them that uh, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So you remember Jesus went to, went to heaven after he was resurrected. In Hebrews chapter 9, it says he cleansed the heavenly utensils with his blood. So, uh, see, heaven was, was uh, polluted by the presence of Lucifer and Lucifer's sin. The very heaven is, right? That's why we're getting a new heaven and a new earth, right? So, so when, when Lucifer was the, the anointed cherub and he chose a sin, the Bible says sin was found in him. Well, anywhere sin is, it gets polluted, right? Anything that gets touched by sin is now unclean as far as the Lord is concerned. And it has to be dealt with. Uh, and it has to be made brand new. It can't be... Uh, it, uh, cleansing it is not enough to restore it to its full, uh, to its full stature. Uh, even the blood of Jesus, in, in one sense, it cleanses the heavenly utensils, and now it's no longer touched by sin, but God's still going to get a, a new heaven because it was touched by Lucifer at some point in time, and we're going to get a new heaven. Uh, and so, uh, so Lucifer couldn't do that after the cross, right? We see no, there's no stories of Lucifer going to the cross or going to, to heaven after that. Um, and so, uh, again, all of these things, you know, uh, are, are kind of interesting. But the, our bodies today cannot go into the spirit realm. But our spirits can, right? We do have a spirit. And, and, uh, and this is an interesting story in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, let, let's start out here uh, in verse 1. It says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations. I knew a man in Christ about, about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Uh, and what you'll find is that there's three heavens that, that the Bible talks about. The first heaven is just the, the, the atmosphere on the earth. The second heaven is uh, the stars and the, and, uh, the planets in the, in the sky. And the third heaven is the, is the realm of the spirit where God resides. And I've heard when people say that heaven is a planet. I don't see any evidence that heaven's a planet. Not that heaven, heaven is in the spirit realm. And so where is heaven? Well, we don't know, but it's up, right? It's up from here. So, um, and, and so, and we know hell is down. Hell is in the center of the earth. Heaven is above the earth somewhere. I don't believe it's a planet circling a star somewhere. I think it's just in the realm of the spirit. Uh, and so, but, but Paul said that such a one was caught up into the third heaven. And I knew it, such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. And so uh, in the realm of the spirit, you do have the capacity, if God allows it, to go into the realm of the spirit, right? To go other places. And Paul said, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Well, you know, most people who study this will tell you that Paul's talking about himself. But he said, uh, he said, I don't want to glory about this thing. So he kind of talked about himself in the third person there. Uh, but, you know, our spirits do have the capacity to go into heaven. And we've heard lots of stories about, including this one here, where Paul left his body and went into heaven. Well, uh, well, how do you do that? Well, you don't do it, right? The Lord decides that he's going to do that on your behalf, right? He's going to uh, bring you up into heaven. And Paul said, I don't know whether I was in the body or not. I could tell because your body right now couldn't go into heaven. Right? It's been touched by sin. There's no way you could go to heaven uh, with your current body. Amen? And so to answer Paul, he said he didn't know. Let me explain, Paul, how it works. Right? Uh, and so I'm not going to uh, uh, tell, uh, tell Paul how things work, but, uh, but other writings, we can put everything together, and we can understand that Paul's body wouldn't have been qualified to go to heaven. And we've heard lots of stories of other people that have gone to heaven and had uh, visions of heaven 
Uh, but it really wasn't even a vision of heaven. You can have a vision of heaven, which is just seeing in the realm of the Spirit, but you can also visit heaven. Like Paul said here, he was caught up to the third heaven. So he, his spirit visited heaven. Uh, now, I encourage you, don't pursue this. There's no, there's no scripture that says you have the right to do this. There's no, so if, if there's no scripture that says you have a right to do this, then there's no faith that you can apply to do this. Amen? So uh, be careful because a lot of times when people get into this area and they see spiritual things occur, they start pursuing that. And yet there's no faith that we can apply that says all of us can believe to go visit heaven on Tuesday. Uh, I mean, you're going to visit heaven when this body comes to an end, but uh, there's no faith that you can apply that says, I want to go to heaven, Lord. You can, there's no, so leave it alone. Amen? If the Lord wants to do that, that's great. But if there's no promise for things then um, you can't believe God for that. Amen. And that's where people get into error many times is they hear about somebody else's experience and, and somebody said, well, God told me this. Well, a lot of times when God tells you things, uh, you know, you, you, uh, and, and we're not always clear in how we, how we say that God tells me, but the primary way that God tells you things is by an inward intuition, right? The Bible calls it an unction, right? a knowing on the inside. It's not a voice or the sky's parting or you know, an email, it's just you, in your spirit, man, you just have a sense, I need to do this, or I need to go there, I need to say this. And we say, well, God told me that, and he did. That's, that's God revealing it to you, but it's really just an unction. That's the primary way that he'll do that. Uh, but he can also speak to you, and uh, uh, he told Elijah, he called it the still small voice, where, where his spirit can speak to your spirit. Um, and then, you know, it gets up in more authoritative voice where he, he can speak to you, and it sounds like a human being talking to you. But the only, the only faith that we can have is that God will lead us uh, by an unction. And so that's the only scriptures that we have from, from 1 John. That says we can have an unction from the Holy Ghost, right? An awareness of things. Um, you know, in the world they call it the gut feeling, but in the church we call it an unction. And so you can have faith, well, Lord, I need, I need to have an, a, a witness, right? Uh, Romans chapter 10 calls it a witness, right? That, that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. So you can have a witness, uh, and actually I think that's in Romans uh, chapter 8, rather. Um, we can have a witness or an unction that, that, uh, that the Lord wants to tell us something in the realm of the Spirit, and that's fine. But to go beyond that is really only as the Lord desires. And, and if he wants to do that, that's fine, but you shouldn't pursue that because you're going to get into error really quick. Well, I want to hear a voice. I can guarantee you if you're looking for a voice, a voice will be, will be heard by you. Now, it's not going to be the voice of the Lord, it's going to be the voice of, of the enemy masquerading as the Lord. Amen? So don't pursue these things because you should only pursue things where you have faith, where the Bible says you can have this thing. And so if the Bible doesn't say you, can have, you can't have that thing, then leave it alone. I want to see an angel. How many people saw angels in the, old, in the Old Covenant and New Covenant? Lots of people saw angels. Do we have any scripture that says you can see an angel? No. You have no, no promise that says if, if you pray and ask me, I'll, I will let you see an angel. And so to pursue that uh, will open yourself up to demonic forces. And so you've got to be careful, especially in areas of the spirit realm, of pursuing things that don't belong to you, right? That you don't have a right to, to, to have, amen? You have a right to be led by the Spirit of God. He said he would lead you and guide you in all the truth. Uh, and we see from that verse in Romans chapter 8 and 1 John chapter 2 that that's going to be an unction or a witness or a leading, right? It's not, or a perception, right? Right. Uh, uh, we call it a gut feeling, but I don't like that because that sounds more in the natural realm. But that's what it is. And so that's fair. You have a right to that. Anything beyond that is really up to the Lord. Amen. Visions and revelations. Paul said, uh, I'm going to uh, take you to visions and revelations. Uh, Peter had a vision in chapter 10 of, of the book of Acts, right? Remember that? The sheet came down. He saw the vision. Again, there's no, there's no promise as you have a right to a vision. Lord, I want to see a vision. You will see a vision. If you, if you press it hard enough, you will, the, the enemy will, will, will start showing you visions. Amen? And so you have to be careful. So anytime the Lord uses his people, uh, again, we're, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just so we kind of get this settled here. In 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, he talks about the manifestation of the Spirit. Uh, and and let's, let's just read here what, what some of these manifestations are. He says, let's start in verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, um, uh, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, 
but it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So then he starts talking about the manifestation of the Spirit, or how the Spirit will manifest himself in the lives of people in a supernatural way. And so he starts out, and he gives us nine different ways. And we're not going to go into all of these in great detail. He said, but for the one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. So what's a word of wisdom? A word of wisdom is a supernatural insight into the plan and will of God for the future. So he may tell you something uh, about yourself or about somebody else and their future. Hey, uh, next week, uh, this thing's going to happen. Do this. Well, that's a future event, right? Uh, and uh, that's a, a supernatural gift. Who knows the future? the future better than we know the past. Well, the Lord does, right? The Lord knows the future, and so it's not a big deal for him to tell us the future. Now, things like, um, uh, like palm readers, you know, and, and people like that, horoscope people, you know, they say they know the future. They're just betting the odds, right? The devil has no knowledge of the future, but he does know the past, right? And so he can put two and two together. Well, you've done this, this, and this in the past. More likely, you're going to do this right here. So, I mean, he can... He can you know, he's been around, he know, knows human nature well enough to know that if he knows all about your past, he can probably figure out a good chance what you're going to do tomorrow. But he doesn't know. Now, the Lord knows, right? And so that's the difference. The, the, the devil is not divine. He has no knowledge of the future. But, you know, uh, he would be a great one to, to watch the, who's playing the odds in Vegas because he's going to have the best odds game of anybody because of human nature that he's observed for all of human history, right? Uh, and so... Uh, the Lord would grant unto us the, the, uh, by the Spirit a word, of knowledge, a word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge. Well, the word of knowledge is a supernatural knowledge of things that have uh, 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 present or past events. You know, sometimes the Lord will say, well, you know, you did this, you know, early on in your life, and that caused you problems, and so if you'll repent of that thing, then, then uh, you know, all will be well. And so a lot of times the Lord will use the word of knowledge to tell you things, uh, you know, why you're doing something that you're doing or what you did yesterday. Sometimes he'll do that just to, to show you how much he loves you. Uh, uh, and he will grant that ability to somebody, right? And there's lots of stories of people. Uh, uh, Jesus had words of knowledge. Paul had words of knowledge. You know, we, we don't have time to go back and see all the examples of those. Uh, uh, of those In the Old Covenant, there was a lot of these things where the prophets would see things. That was gone. I remember with Elisha, uh, he asked the Lord to show, open the eyes of his servant, and he saw all the uh, horsemen and chariots there on the, uh, around the, the mountains there, uh, chariots of God. Well, that was a word of knowledge, right? And actually, it's, it's also the discerning of spirits, as we'll see in a minute. Uh, but uh, but when, uh, when Gehazi followed after Naaman, right? Remember uh, with Elisha, Naaman the, the Syrian came to Elisha the prophet, and Elisha said, go wash in the, in the pool in the, in the river Jordan. You'll be cleansed of your leprosy. And he did, and he left, and then Gehazi followed him and said, hey, uh, my master says we'd like to have some of that money you promised us. And he, of course, he never did, right? Elisha didn't say that. But Gehazi's thinking, you know, I'm going to go get some cash. And he did. He got a bunch of money, got a bunch of stuff. And, and he came back, and, and Elisha said, my spirit went with you. And as he saw, he knew by the word of knowledge that Gehazi had gone out uh, and also, probably with the, uh, based on the way he said it, it, was probably also the discerning of spirits, but, uh, but it, he knew something, an event that had occurred. Uh, and so um, he said to another, uh, that, so that's the word of knowledge, to another faith or special faith, and special faith um, uh, and working of miracles are very similar, um, uh, but special faith is, is uh, the, it's really kind of a, a boldness that will rise up in you. And whatever you declare, it comes to pass. Uh, and, uh, and so there are some, we see some examples of that in the, in the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus. Uh, and then he goes on to, um, uh, to another, the gifts of healings. Both of those are plural. And so it's interesting that it's gifts of healings in plural, both are plural. And uh, what you'll find is that uh, if the Lord uses people in the area of healing, Oftentimes, it's in one area, right? So I've seen people that were very good at praying for people with problems with ears, people with eyes. Uh, Brother Hagen always seemed to have a, uh, a lot of success with cancers and tumors. Um, and, uh, but other people had success in other areas. Uh, and so uh, the Lord will grant to people uh, to... Uh, and this is beyond faith, right? This is beyond the faith of just the word for obtain healing. This is when you need help and you can't get healing by yourself. Oftentimes, God will use somebody... Uh, that has a special call in that, that area. Uh, and so, 
gifts of healings to another working of miracles. Uh, and so uh, the difference between healing and miracles uh, is healing will remove sickness, right? But miracles will replace things that, uh, that are missing, right? So if you're missing an arm, well, it's not sick, it's gone, right? So, so you don't need healing, you need a miracle, amen? And so sometimes it's helpful to know the distinction with that because, uh, first of all, uh, we don't have a direct promise that, uh, that uh, the late, uh, like it says in Mark chapter 16, that the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So if that's true, then we can always lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. But there's no direct promise that, that we can lay hands on people for miracles. So in order for that to happen, we need to get uh, permission from headquarters. So, Lord, this person's missing an arm. Is it okay if I pray for them? Because uh, the, the gifts of healing or the, the healing part, the sickness part, is a direct promise that he's given to the whole church. But for the healing, for the miracles, we'll see here where the limit is. Now, does the Lord do miracles? Absolutely, he does miracles, right? Of course, healing is a miracle in itself, uh, but healing is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week to every Christian by faith alone, amen, or even by the, the laying on of hands. But sometimes uh, uh, we need extra help if we don't have the faith to do it on our own. We can find somebody that is used in the area of the gifts of healings. Uh, and then he said, um, to another prophecy. So prophecy is not always speaking about the future, but prophecy is really speaking by sudden inspiration, whatever the Lord would have you to say. Uh, to, another, uh, uh, to another discerning of spirits. So discerning of spirits is seeing into the realm of the spirit. So it's not just evil spirits. I know some people say, I see devils everywhere. Well, you know, it's because you're looking in the mirror too much. It's probably what it is. Um, and so if all you see is devils, you don't have the discerning of spirits. You have the, you have the discerning of suspicion. Uh, and so uh, the discerning of spirits is seeing into the realm of spirit. You may see devils, but you may also see angels. You may see the Lord Jesus. Um, you wouldn't see God the Father because no man can look upon him. Uh, and so, so uh, the discerning of spirits is that. To another diverse kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. So we know that the whole church has the ability to speak of the tongues, but this is, this is specific here to tongues and interpretation of tongues in a public sense. Uh, for the edification of the church. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14 has a lot to say about that. Uh, and so, so those are the nine gifts and manifestations of the Spirit, right? And so this is just generally speaking how the Lord can work supernaturally through the church. And um, this is available in the church today, right? He said at the end of uh, chapter 12, but covet earnestly the best gifts, uh, and yet I show you a more ex excellent way. The more excellent way is love. But he told us to earnestly desire these things, but the key that we need to look at is in verse 11, but all, all these worketh, all these uh, manifestations of the Spirit of God worketh the one and the self same Spirit. Uh, so it's the same Spirit that provides all these supernatural abilities, but he says dividing or assigning to every man individually or severally as what? He will. So that those two, those, uh, those last three words, as he will, is the key. To, to staying in balance. The balance is, if the Lord wants to use me in one of these ways, he's, he's, he's right to use me, but I can't just ask God, God, give me a word of knowledge, give me the word of wisdom. Uh, or or uh, from a faith standpoint, I have the word of knowledge. See, that's what a faith person would say if you have faith about something. I have healing, I am the healed of God. See, that's a faith statement, that's fine because we have the promise of healing. But you can't say I have the word of wisdom because it says, as he wills. So he will decide when he wants to decide if he's going to grant you a word of wisdom. He's going to decide when he wants to decide if he's going to grant you a prophecy. He's going to decide when he wants to decide if he's going to give you the gifts of healings that transcends faith, right? That goes beyond just simple faith. Uh, and so uh, you can't ask him for it. I mean, you might could, you know, suggest maybe uh, possibly do it, but I would just, for me, I just leave it alone. I don't, because if as he wills, then... Uh, he's smart enough to know when he wants to do it. Amen. So the balance we have to find in the church is we take these and then we, we combine it with the verse 31 there and we say, Lord, I want these gifts and manifestation in the church. So, and that's fair because to desire these things, so I desire them to be in operation in our church. That's fine. Where we get into error is I have the gift of knowledge. Well, you don't have the gift of knowledge. Sometimes the Lord will grant you the, the word of knowledge, right? So you've got to be careful that because uh, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, I have the, the, the gift of working in miracles. 
No, you don't. Nobody has that. If anybody tells you that, then they're claiming something that's not true. Now, I can say I have the healing power of God operating in me at all time because of the life of God in me, right? And that, that's, the, that's what operates the, the, uh, the laying out of hands is the, the power of God in me. But I would never say I have the, 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 gifts, the, 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 the gifts of healings uh, in my ministry. I'm a, I could say that the Lord uses me in that way sometimes, and, and that would be fair. But you can't say I have it because the Lord doesn't give you that gift. He will, he will uh, divide that to you severally as he wills in that moment. Uh, and, and I'm saying all these things because anytime you get into the discussion of the supernatural, the spirit realm, people get way out of balance. And they get into error really fast, real quickly. They start searching for things, seeking for things, desiring for things that they shouldn't desire as far as them personally, right? Lord, I, you need to speak to me in an audible voice. Now, there's no promise for that, amen? So you, you don't ask God for things that you don't have a promise for from the Word of God, amen? Now, for general things like anything in the natural realm, you know, is within reason as long as it lines up with the Word of God, prosperity and wisdom and understanding and those types of things. But when you get into the supernatural area, you've just got to be careful. Amen? Uh, and uh, uh, don't be afraid of the supernatural, uh, but don't pursue it beyond what you've been promised. Amen? So if he says, as he wills, then you leave it alone. Then if he wants to speak to you supernaturally about something, then he can do that. Uh, if he wants to give you a dream, he can do that. Well, I, Lord, I want dreams. You can't really, you, you shouldn't ask him for that. Amen? There's no promise that he'll give you dreams, right, uh, individually. Um, and so, or specifically, right, as an individual. Uh, in the church, these things operate. And we, can act, we can desire for these things. Lord, we want visions and revelations and dreams and the, the nine gifts and manifestations that operate in our church, and that's fine, right? Uh, and so keep it there, and you'll be safe, amen? So all the discussion about the Lord's body, you know, um, is, uh, is the body that Jesus has now different than what he had on the earth, I don't know. The jury's out in my, in my heart. Uh, I suspect it's nearly the same, if not exactly the same. Uh, doesn't really matter to, to some extent because how he is right now, the Bible says, that's how we're going to be. So we, did, we saw the things he could do right now. He could eat, right? He, he could go through walls. He could you know, do supernatural things. Um, he could go to heaven in his body, right? The body he's got right now, he could go to heaven, come to earth. So he could go to different places. Uh, and that's the body we're going to have. Our bodies will be able to go between the natural and the supernatural without any problem. Uh, and, um, you know, I believe there's even more of that that we can get closer to even in our lives today. You know, Enoch found that, right? The Bible says Enoch walked with God. Well, I mean, he was the only one we saw in the Old Covenant that did that, right? I mean, it never said that about even Moses, right? Of course, it did, the Lord did say he talked to Moses face to face. But um, I think Enoch had a place even that Moses didn't know about. Uh, and so, uh, how far can we get out there? You know, I don't know. But, um, but you've got to be careful in, in, in asking God for those things. Uh, let the Lord do what he wants to do and be good with that. Amen. Um, and so, we'll, we'll get into, um, um, I think that about finish up uh, chapter 3 there, you have Philippians. And so, we'll start chapter 4 uh, here next week there, right? So, we get to 4. We're, we're on the downwards, down, downhill uh, slide right there, right? Um, and so uh, hopefully that helped a lot, a little bit, you know. Uh, we do have a lot to look forward to. You know, I can't wait to get a glorified body. Uh, I think it'll be awesome when we get one. Uh, it'd be nice to, not to have the constant, uh, the constant nagging of the sin nature there with you all the time. Amen. Won't that be nice? It'll be nice to have a body that's not subject to sickness and disease. Uh, I mean, uh, we, can, we, we can believe in for divine health, and, and that's great, but... You know, you have to, there's a lot of diligence required to live in divine health. A sickness tries to get on your body, you have to stand against it by faith. You have to command it to leave your body in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, and so there's a lot more diligence required today if you want to live in divine health. When you get a glorified body, it's done deal. Amen. Uh, sickness and disease won't have any capacity to get upon a glorified body. And no doubt when we get a new heaven and new earth, there won't be any sickness and disease anywhere anyway. And so uh, life will be good. Amen. Um, uh, we can't accelerate that at all because that Lord's going to come back when he comes back. Anybody know when he's coming back? You don't know when he's coming back, so don't act like you know he's coming back, right? Uh, Tuesday. He's not coming back Tuesday. I've got a list of, I've got a, a file on my computer. Somebody went through all of history and found all the famous people 
that had said when Jesus came back and showing how wrong every one of them was, right? Uh, Isaac Newton said, yeah, he's coming back this particular time. No, he wasn't, right? People we know, you know, uh, like Pat Robertson said he's coming back, you know, Lester Sermall said he's coming back in a certain day. They're all wrong. They, they are all wrong. So nobody knows because Jesus said even he didn't know. So if you know, why would you know and Jesus not know? That doesn't make any sense, right? So don't believe anybody. Remember the book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus Come Back in 88, 1988? Uh, I didn't buy a copy of the book. But the guy sold millions of copies of the book, right? Uh, and was he right? Of course he wasn't right, you know. But you know what his next book was? 89, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Come Back in 89, right? <laughs> he probably didn't sell quite as many of those, <laughs> but he probably sold a bunch, right? Uh, and so uh, was he right? Of course he wasn't right. Amen. And so some things you, just, you can know that's going to happen, leave it alone, right? The gifts of the Spirit, uh, uh, we desire for them to happen. But uh, if, if the Lord wants to use me, that's fine. If you don't want to use me, that's fine. But don't say, I've got, the, I've got the gift of prophecy. No, you don't, right? And so just be careful about some of those things, and, and all will be well. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you for the blessings of heaven. Father, we do thank you for your word and your supernatural gifts and manifestations in the earth. And Father, we do believe and desire for them to operate in our, in our midst, Father, in this church. And so, Father, we thank you that you're a supernatural God and still desire to, to move among us in a supernatural way. And we thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, hopefully, um, you know, we kind of get a whirlwind tour of the, the nine gifts and manifestations of the Spirit. Um, and uh, there's a lot more we could say about that. We have taught extensively about those over the years. And so um, uh, we want them to operate, but, but, uh, but uh, the, the balance that I want, and, and we'll get ready to receive this, this evening's uh, offering, the balance that I want to find is that we are a word-first church. We're founded upon the word of God, and that if the Spirit of God wants to move beyond that, and he does, then we're glad for that. Amen. And if he's not moving supernaturally, then we go back to the word and we, go, we study the word. Uh, and if we keep the balance of the word and spirit, we'll always be okay. Amen. <clears throat> and so come ahead, Mr. Jaron, receive the offering. And um, don't forget uh, Ladies Fellowship here Friday night at uh, 6.30 p.m. And there's still a little, little bit of food there in the kitchen on the counter. And uh, help yourself to that. And we'll pick up Philippians chapter 4 uh, next week, right? And so... I'm almost the end of an era right there. Amen. <laughs> All right. We'll be blessed and uh, you're dismissed.